Well, I don't feel like I'm a part of the everyday American society, and I don't want to be, let me tell you. Okay? I do my damnedest to tear it down. A governor's task force has determined that punk rockers are society's new subversives and must be treated as such. Taxation is theft. Oh! God damn it, motherfucker! We're talking peace, love, and honor. Hello, and welcome to the BR Hates Fed Show. I'm BR, and I hate feds, and today is Tuesday, the 30th of November, 2021. And it's it's about to be December, and that's, for many of us, the most stressful time of year. Because there's a lot of financial burdens that come, especially if you have friends and family, and there's expectations of gifts, and, you know, like, nothing wrong with gift giving. It's a, it's a nice tradition, I think whatever your thoughts on Christmas Christmas itself are, but, um, I don't know, I, I've really been, uh, <laughs> slipping into the Uncle Ted half-lunatic, half-hippie mindset, I, I look out at all the, all the Black Friday sales, and, and, you know, Cyber Monday, and all the marketing and shit, and I'm just like, and I, and keep in mind, I work in marketing, so, <laughs> I, I'm like, just looking at it, and it's kind of gross, you know, like, there's ridiculous inflation going on right now, and it's very uncertain times, and yet they're still just jamming in our face the newest, shiniest thing to blow your money on that, you know, if, if everything goes to shit, it's gonna be a lump of plastic in your home that doesn't get packed, you know, <laughs> if you need to get out of there, so, I don't know, the whole thing, it's always given me an uneasy feeling, even when I was, even when I would, you know, proudly use the term capitalist, like a good little uh, new libertarian, but I don't know, these days I'm a little bit more lost on that front, so I don't even use the term anarcho-capitalist anymore. I, I'm like pretty, I, I stray, I've strayed pretty far from it into the the black flag, Carl Hess territory. I'm just, you know, and, and not that he was an anti-capitalist or, or that I am necessarily, it's more just, just um the way we do it. I mean, I love markets and I love free trade and all that good stuff, but just this and again, this is the Uncle Ted slipping in, because I've been listening to uh, P. Canones and uh, Aaron from Timeline Earth read through uh, the Unabomber Manifesto, and he's pretty fucking spot on with uh, with how the world's been getting. So listening to that on the run-up to Christmas <laughs> has made me a bit more, um, I don't know, a bit more pessimistic about kind of the way it's done. I think there's a lot of good in the holidays. Don't get me wrong, I'm not some, like, miserable fucking Scrooge. I actually love Christmas time. I, again, you know, Church of England school, so I don't really give a fuck about the origin story so much. Sorry, Christians. <laughs> but more just, it's a cool thing for the family to gather and for it to be an expectation that this time of year, you know, like, if, if you have a good family. Not everyone does. Not everyone wants to gather with their family members and I mean, we all have family members, we'd rather, you know, it's a chore to gather with them, but whether it's, you know, family or friends, 
just gather people you love together. That's what's really nice about this time of year. And I feel like it's really alien right now how how fucked up of a time we're in. And yeah, there's this, there's still this big focus on... Um, I saw this thing pop up about the new Xbox whatever the fuck it is. I don't even know what the name of it is. I used to be a you know, fairly big gamer. And I don't even know what the newest console's called. It's like an... They call it the same thing. It was like an Xbox One Series X, but then the last upgrades to the last generation was an Xbox One S. It's that's just fucking dumb. They should have called it something ridiculously different. But anyway, and then uh, I don't know. PlayStation's continuing to be intelligent, and I think we're up to the five, right? Guys, sound like a fucking boomer. I am not that old. <laughs> I just sound it because I'm slowly rejecting this society or more and more rapidly. I'm going to be in a fucking cabin in Montana at this rate, I swear to God. But, um, you know, I, I like I said, I see value in this time of year, but I, I think it's strange how I had this ad crop up um, telling me I could subscribe to become a member of this group that gets early access for the option to buy one of these new generation consoles. <laughs> because supply issues are so fucked uh, throughout 2020 that it's really fucked up the supply chain with releasing this new series, which is, it's surprising they didn't stall the whole thing, because now you've got, like, a bunch of next-generation games come out that are only going to work on the new consoles, presumably, and people can't get the fucking consoles, so now you're, like, just kind of decreasing the quality and fucking up the launch of this new series. It's going to be really staggered. You know, not that I care too much about that shit anymore, but it's just odd how they're kind of just ramming the entertainment into our faces. And that's something that Ted Kaczynski talks about in, in his manifesto. He talks about how, um, you know, as things get more and more dire and they're trying to modify human behavior, they're going to use kind of artificial influences. Like, mass media is not something that the caveman, you know, grew up with. It's not something that the some, someone who fought in World War One grew up with, you know? I, I guess it could be argued, you know, radio and early movies at the time would be the, the start of mass media, but the point being, a guy in the early 1910s wasn't sitting around uh, excited to hear that another trilogy of Spider-Man films has been confirmed, you know? <laughs> there wasn't anything quite on that level where people would sit inside and their primary hobby or surrogate activity, if you're Uncle Ted, would be to wait for the next Marvel comic movie. And it, it's strange, because I was a pretty big gamer, and yet it's so weird to watch during this kind of crisis, they're trying to get you to buy a new console. It's like, I don't need a new console, I need three months worth of fucking food, dude. <laughs> In case the supply lines are fucked. I don't know, maybe I'm just being like a, a, a loony prepper, thinking, you know, anything that's not gonna help me survive is a, a waste of your money, which is not how I live my life, you know, because life is worth living beyond just fear and paranoia. Although, I don't think you're unreasonable to pursue those things as financial investments right now, but it's strange how the culture is still ramming things into our face, like all of this just worthless media shit that isn't going to do anything for us if, if everything goes to shit. There's no culture of preparedness in the mainstream. It's just, hey, no, keep on eating your fucking corn syrup and all, all of this just trash. And then keep on plugging yourself in with distractions. And uh, don't even pay attention. Just uh, just keep on getting your boosters. And, um, oh yeah, the new Unicron variant. Uh, I know it's... Omni 
Actually, I don't even know what it's called. Oh, Omnicron or something like that? I made a fucking dumb joke on Twitter because uh, every time I look at it, I think of uh, the big planet-eating robot from Transformers, the, the movie, like the 80s movie, uh, Unicron. Okay, so it's the... It's the Omicron variant. Whatever. Who gives a fuck? From South Africa. And it's so strange how they really... I think I think a lot of people are feeling fatigued right now, and myself included, because they just announced this new variant. And it's like, really, guys? You, you're gonna do this one again? Like, oh, Delta was the big fucking scare for 21, and now Omicron is apparently gonna be the big fight of 2022, and then we'll have some fucking other thing for 2023. And they, they think we can... We can keep on... Like, just accepting that it mutates, and apparently if if not every single last person on Earth is vaccinated, then this thing will continue to evolve. <laughs> okay, then it's going to continue to evolve, because that's an impossible feat, and also fucking unreasonable. And, uh, and it's, it's strange, because the fear campaign keeps on ramping up. I mean, we had that fucking... That fucked up, uh, failure stock investor dude who's always shouting at the camera. There's a video going around of him saying the military should be enforcing or taking charge of this, uh, of mandatory vaccines. And this is a guy, he, this is a guy on Wall Street, or like, he's a Wall Street entertainer, and he feels comfortable saying this on TV. Anywho, I was gonna do, like, a news show this week, you know, when, when there's kind of important shit going on, but, I mean, fucking hell, guys. Look, let's look at the world. It's so often... A circus. So, uh, oh, and uh, all of this shit has been rattling my brain. And I just got back from uh, from the Wyoming trip. So, I actually want to do a a debrief with uh, with Seaburn, uh, Mitch, and probably probably Nathan too, because he didn't make it, but he was planning to go. So, we need to fill him in on on what we saw out in Wyoming, and uh, as well as you guys. But um, the short and sweet of it is, uh, we quite liked it. <laughs> it's a, it's a very good option. My girlfriend and his wife liked it too, so that's fucking awesome. And, uh, it <laughs> surprised both of us. Area we checked out was real nice. Uh, lots of, lots of potential for us. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good option, which is nice to have, and, uh, who knows what the timeline on, on the, all that is, but you should constantly have goals to be kind of angling towards, otherwise you just kind of, I don't know, that, that's, maybe that's just my brain, I always need something to be chipping away at, and to be aiming for, otherwise I feel directionless, I just have like a get shit done, A to B, B to C, C to D kind of attitude, I don't know, you could probably diagnose that and sort it out with a pill, but uh, I just like to smoke weed, so. Anywho, this week, it's really nice to just do this the way this show kind of was intended. And f for those who might be newer to this show, or who aren't aware of kind of the origins, uh, I'm a big fan of Bill Burr, and I really like what he does with his Monday morning podcast. Um, honestly, I feel like my production value might be a little bit better. It's, <laughs> I think he just ships them off to a to an editor, like some some college kid who rushes through it. Uh, it probably doesn't go through my stuff with a fine-tooth comb, because I make sure I don't sound nearly as stupid as I do in reality. I, I cut things down pretty neat. You guys don't say, you, you don't hear the really retarded moments. That's why I can sit here and calmly smoke weed without fear of uh, sounding like a total dummy. I figured 
this week after that little little catch-up, we would maybe answer some questions. Try and get through as many as we can within about an hour or so. Because uh, usually I feel... I, I feel like the questions are sometimes the best part of the show, because I'm like, ooh, that would have been a good topic for it to do an hour on. But, um... I don't know. With the weekly show, it's it's never been so much about tackling topics as much as it has been just kind of a, you know, a weekly roundup of what's going on, um, maybe a little time capsule of, of the moment. Uh, same thing with my guests. You know, when I have a guest on, it's kind of a, a time capsule of when the conversation was taking place and uh, where they were at the time, where I was at the time, etc. So, you know, it's kind of nice to... Your questions are really good for getting me all over the place in one episode because... Boy, can I fucking ramble. Anyway, let's get on with the questions. Uh, so someone asks, why not Minaki? And <laughs> so many fucking reasons. If you get to where Austin Peterson's at and say, yep, this is everything, God fucking help you. Because guess what? Government is incurable. There is no form of it that will never ratchet past the point that it's been quote-unquote confined to and anyone who's a minicist hasn't read Spooner Lysander Spooner um, that is a simple fact anyone who has read No Trees in the Constitution of No Authority by Lysander Spooner <laughs> no minicist has read it and stuck to it and been honest with themselves or they're too fucking stupid to get his very simple point that simple point is that governments are enslavement. They don't actually do any anything for you. You are tax cattle. Government is a cancer. It will always grow beyond where it's confined to. The constitution <laughs> once was, uh, well, it was a rule book for an, a nation that had more liberty than any other before it in terms of, you know, a functioning government and then its people having the most uh, classical rights. And now, that very same country, which is only a few hundred years old, it's not thousands of years old, or even, you know, multiple hundreds of years old, it's a few hundred years old. It's about 250 years old. And, or it's, you know, it's coming up to its 250 mark. And it is now the biggest empire on the earth, and your definition of empire might, you might think more... Romans and Alexander the Great and the, the Egyptians and all that, maybe even the British Empire. But make no mistake, the American Empire is alive and well. The United States is no longer some little tiny nation that only exists, the government only exists to protect the rights of the individual. Fuck no. They, we have military bases on every continent on the planet. There's, that's military power projected. Fucking everywhere. That is not a nation that's dedicated to protecting rights. And neither is any Minicus state. All of this Night Watchman stuff. Minicists are... It's a stepping stone. Anyone who stops at it and treats it as a final spot hasn't done enough reading or thinking. More likely the latter. There is... If you question the government in little, like, you're like, mm, well, maybe maybe government's too involved with our schooling, and I think taxes are a little high, and, you know, we should maybe not be fighting all of these wars. Alright, well, cool. You have your little Night Watchman state, and they're only this perfectly, you know, uh, polite government 
is only in charge of police, courts, and military. That's the classic minicist, like, they can't figure out how those things could be decentralized. It's just the impossible question. Um, people can't defend themselves, people can't police themselves, and there's no way, you know, there's absolutely no way that a court system couldn't operate without uh, pointing a gun at everyone to make it fair. There's just no fucking creativity or thinking when it comes to minicism. It's not about... It's not about finding, like, a solution to everything. Because the state is not some kind of perfect arbiter of justice or neutral party. And quite frankly, it never will be. Adherence to minicism requires such an alien opposite to the average libertarian, which is you trust that this entity, your night watchman state, would never grow beyond the confines that you've given it. And at that point, it and people get like, when people really try and sell me on minicism, they're like, well, what if it was completely voluntary? Like, they don't tax anyone, and we just pay them, and, you know, they, they're the centralized service provider. And it's like, okay, you have created a landlord where your utilities are rolled into your rent. What what the fuck is the point? It, if we're talking about a government that you can sign up to live under, that's like an HOA, at which point, go right the fuck ahead. <laughs> so, yeah, mi minicism, please don't stop at minicism, guys. Use your fucking brains, turn them on. Minicky is... Well, government is cancer, and when, when you have cancer in your body, you don't cut it down to a very small chunk. You fucking remove the whole thing. Because it's dangerous. And we know it's dangerous. So why would you why would you trust to keep any element of that structure intact? Doesn't make fucking sense to me. I had a a brief stint as a minicist a few years ago, but that's just because I hadn't done enough <laughs> fucking reading. You gotta you gotta keep on and you know. Uh, the market for liberty, I think, is by the Tannehills, is probably one of the best ones for any any minicus trying to figure it out, or just jump straight for uh, feet first into agorism and let Conkin shame you out of being a fucking libertarian party member. <laughs> I, I guess we just come for people's throats, and that's potentially because my joint went out like five minutes ago, and I haven't had a chance to relight it. Um, ba 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 ba. When are you camping with us again, you chode? And then a kissy face. I'm going to have to respond to this individual, but the answer is, whenever I'm invited, motherfucker. <laughs> How's the Wyoming plan panning out? Uh, like I said earlier, um, definitely a solid option for us. Um, it's not the only option we've got, you know, multiple states we want to look at, and, you know, who knows if we're going to do this thing together, you know, myself, Nathan, Mitch, and anyone else who's along for the ride, but, um, and that's that's not asking for applications. We got uh, we got a small group of people who are floating around, kind of um, interested in it, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens from there. Who knows? Ba -ba -ba -ba. Just a bum that wants to live in a van. Thoughts? Binged your stuff over the last few weeks. Big fan. Thanks, man. I'm uh, I'm glad you found your way down the rabbit hole. I'm I'm a big fan of of the nomad thing. I think. Um, I think those experiences are very fucking valuable for the human spirit. 
you just have to be you have to be careful. You have to be street smart, and you gotta do it. You don't do it like some fucking Coachella brat, you know, <laughs> going around on with uh, mummy or daddy's credit card. That shit. Those people are fucking not doing it right. The people who are, it's a little bit dangerous. Like, a mate of mine, he had this white pickup truck. I think it was like a Ford or something, or a Chevy. Something, you know, uh, very fucking plain. No stickers or anything on it. And uh, he did the Nomad thing, um, well, a while back. He's a bit older than me. And, uh, in the end, at night, he would just park up in, like, government city maintenance parking lots and stuff and park his little white truck up right next to all of them and uh and hunker down for the night with uh with no hassle <laughs> so um that's actually something that i really enjoy writing about I, I wrote about it a little bit in the the original boog tactics um like urban camping and kind of kind of figuring out how to uh how to survive in an urban environment without you know <laughs> uh, a locking door, and that's something I'll be touching on again, but, um, no, I think there's definitely safe ways to do it, and you don't have to do anything, you know, terribly crazy to do it, um, you know, the whole van life thing is kind of taking off, but, uh, people for years have been doing, you know, better their truck with, a, you know, some good camping gear, and a few bucks here and there, you know, I think that's a really fucking cool thing to do, if you have the time or the ability to, to take that on in your life, um, definitely do it, I, uh, I love traveling, and I wish I'd, you know, I, I definitely had some, some experiences roughing it, some experiences not, uh, the ones where I was roughing it were always the richer, more educational ones, you know, a, uh, a nice hotel room is a nice hotel room, but, you know, uh, <laughs> hitching a ride with someone, or, um, or giving a hitchhiker a lift, I mean, you know, stay strapped, but, <laughs> it, there's some, there's some interesting stuff you can, you can learn, people are very interesting, and like I said, be careful, use your fucking brain, but, um, no, I think, I think that could be, I think you'll look back on those memories as long as you don't get an STD or a knife in your, in your back, uh, you'll look on them positively, you know? Alright. More convo about knives slash steel type uses for various scenarios. That is completely out of my fucking wheelhouse. I know fuck all about knives. Uh, I come from a country where I couldn't even carry a locking knife past three inches. I had, I had all sorts of illegal shit, and I, I kept most of those knives and brought them over here somehow no issue, but, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not the knife guy, you know, I don't know fuck all about them, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm honestly still learning, I know all sorts about fucking firearms, I don't know shit about knives, just not my, not my thing, um, I don't even know who to recommend to talk about that, to be honest, someone will, someone will comment on this and be like, oh, check out this guy or whatever, and, you know, power to him, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, fuck all, sorry man, <laughs> Uh, someone else asked, you getting paid for Seaburn show? Uh, that's the Art and War podcast. And yeah, um, I get paid to edit and produce the show. And, you know, it's <laughs> I'm not going to be a quitting day job, but it helps me, um, even though it's between friends, you know, I, I would have liked to have done the show for free, but the truth is I've simply got too much freelance shit on my plate to... Uh, 
to give the time up like that, you know, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's enough to validate my time spent on it, and, I mean, the whole fucking project is, uh, very rewarding in itself, because things are going great, and, uh, it's a very, very enjoyable podcast to edit, so, um, yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna, not gonna hide that shit from you guys, but it's, it's not extravagant, alright, <laughs> um, and, you know, something else to add to that is, when you have monetary relationships with friends, it can get fucky, which is important to, it's important to keep a very clear line of communication with, uh, with people you're doing business with, especially, especially close friends, but, yeah, we haven't had any issues with that arrangement, things are going great, uh, yeah, happy days. Um, what are upcoming topics for the show? Um, for this one, I mean, I definitely have a short list, but I think with this one, with this show, it's gonna have to be a bit more spontaneous how I cover things, because Christ knows what, what that's gonna look like, but for the e-militia, I've been cooking up some ideas with Mel about uh, a bunch of topics we can kickstart 2022 with, and start a little bit stronger. Um, we start, what I realize, I feel bad about e-militia, because they kind of just happen as the cats can be herded these days, and, you know, I, I would love to put it out more often, but that's why I started this show, to kind of be filler between us doing um, the e-militia podcast, but it definitely still serves a purpose for uh, more technical topics, for certain guests I would rather talk to with my co-hosts, um, you know, like some topics are just going to suit that environment more. And I, I certainly miss doing them more frequently. So, uh, anyway, your, your actual question. What are upcoming topics for the show? I like our show because we get to talk to educational and informative people. And um, what I really like talking, who I really like talking to is people who provide a way for people to start doing something the second they put the podcast down, you know? So, I love all of our 3D printing people. Austin Jones talking about hollow point armor piercing bullets that will eventually be able to be made from home. I like talking to people who are doing something now. Uh, kind of fucking over anyone running for political office. Like, we we brought a few interesting types on for that. And, you know, nothing personal against the people, but it's just... If you're running for office in 2021 thinking you can fix things you are either on crystal fucking meth or you're just fucking delusional. The solution is not in politics. The system is already a rotting corpse. And to think you're gonna you're gonna save him. Whoo boy. Bless you. So uh yeah. We're I think gonna be much more uh always the educational people. I'd love to get some more homesteading types on and I'd like to discuss relevant stuff like that, and also, um, I don't want to get into too much and spoil things, but we, we have some cool guests that we've been eyeing up, and, uh, I think we might just about have enough clout to, uh, to get them on, <laughs> so, uh, we'll be looking into that. That was a real, that was a real long-form way of avoiding your question with particulars, so I apologize if that was not for you, but it'll be for someone. Alright, this is a longer one that was sent to my DMs. I don't always catch these, but it was from someone I 
I talk to a little bit more often, so <laughs> I caught it. I apologize if anyone sends me a DM. Uh, well, in general, because I suck at checking them, and uh, also anyone who sends in a question for the show as a DM, I only see like maybe half of them. Uh, just it just so happened. Yeah, I'm not digging through my DMs when I'm recording. I'm going through the Q and A. But anyway, um, question: Would you personally? Would you use? Per- Sorry. Would you use personally silver in day-to-day transactions once the state collapses? If so, what designs would you like to see on a locally minted coin slash round? Uh, I mean, I'd use whatever the currency was. If it's if it's two two three, if it's eggs and jalapenos, if it's silver, if it's crypto, you know, I guess that's what I'm using. <laughs> I'm uh, if if that's the way the market's going. Well, let's hope. Uh, hope I've prepared for it and, and guessed right what's going to be the most um, useful commodities in a collapse. Uh, what designs would I like to see on a locally minted coin? You know, in in the US, even in the collapse of a, you know, if the, if the US government collapsed, I would love to see a continuation of Americana because this culture is separate from its government and that's something that I profoundly like about this this country. And, um, so I would love to see coins that reflect, you know, Americana of, of all ages. I'd love to see coins stamped with, a you know, a classic Gadsden, or, I don't know, like a, a fucking American muscle car, or some, some American nature, or, or wildlife. I would love to strip all of the, the statist elements you know, I like, who gives a fuck about a dead president? Who gives a fuck about some old house they lived in, or their temples, or the, the Capitol building, and all that kind of shit on coins? It's uninspiring. It looks like every other fucking coin out there. And then our, our figureheads. We've been doing figureheads since literally coins were invented. Perhaps, uh, they're trying to push it more towards historical figures now in an effort to save uh, fiat currency like that, like making it woke is gonna save the fact that it just fucking sucks and doesn't do its job. Yeah, I w- I, like I said, I would like to see things that more represent this land and this culture rather than this government. So, I I would definitely mint some like Gadsden slash Circle A coins <laughs> just for my local or for my for my personal use. I don't know, I, I think you could do pretty fun shit with that, because you could personally mint coins, you know, if that was your thing. If you wanted to, or, or say your intentional community, um, kind of trading with the the next local big town community, whatever it is, if you minted your own coins, they're going to realize where your money's coming from, which, you know, could be desirable, could not be, whatever. I think it would be uh, it'd be very interesting to see individualized coins like say you know it's a it's an ounce it's a half ounce it's a quarter ounce whatever the fuck it is and you you know like a the same weight is going to have the same value but then minting it differently is i don't know it would be cool for people to have more individualism like customizing your debit card but instead it's uh it's your style of coin that you chuck down i don't know that stuff um that stuff sounds interesting, but hopefully that uh, 
hopefully that answers that question. Um, let's find something else. <laughs> so uh, with this with this uh, Q and A for anyone who didn't see the see it on Instagram, um, <laughs> I was bitching about my my day. I said work was fucked. Uh, give me something to ramble about. And a good friend asked, "What was so bad about work?" I'm on mandatory overtime tonight. Fuck. Yeah, I can't. I can't bitch in comparison. But uh, it's just the season. It's just uh, all this last-minute holiday marketing is fucking exhausting. I can't enjoy the holidays. You know, I'm not sitting around like, "Ooh, what deals are on?" I'm just fucking fatigued and <laughs> like over it. Uh, disinterested, and today put me through the ringer. It's just, and I'm the only one in my department, uh, in the office. Well, and the only, the only one actually designing stuff in my department. So, lot of uh, lot of pressure. So, just tiring. I was like, fuck me. <laughs> um. Podcast playing out loud. Wife says it sounds like all I talk about, but with an English guy. That's, uh... I've always loved that kind of part about... I mean, not, not to toot my own horn, but kind of just the, the tone of the podcast that I do. You know, both this and the e-militia. It's never been about being some gaudy, fucking nasally presenter. Like, hey guys, you know, we're gonna be talking about Libertarian 101 today. Like, who... Fuck, shut the fuck up, you cunt. Shut the fuck up. No one fucking cares. <laughs> I've always wanted to be, you know, just just chatting with you. Because that's, that's how I've always picked stuff up. And it's way more natural. Hopefully, and this is what I say about all the different podcasts out there. Hopefully, I am a different flavor to a lot of what's out there for some people. And maybe the way I do it, the way I talk, uh, whatever it is, makes it a bit more digestible for some kind of audience, you know? That's all I can hope for. <laughs> Will the Maxwell trial be the downfall of the state? Absolutely not. Um, anything that happens within the confines of the state itself, like, you know, trials in the state's courts, this is happening in a federal court. Anyone who thinks a federal trial is going to tear down the federal government they they need to check up how these things go a bit more. So, really, and and again, this is something Kaczynski touches on. He, he talks about how, say an issue that the government has been exploiting, like, I don't know, like Jim Crow laws. You know, they, they, they were government laws. And then at a certain point in time when they realized, oh, these aren't actually working out for us anymore. These are actually uh, slowly tearing us apart. We have to get rid of them. It wasn't necessarily a, w and, and this, this is, sounds like a really negative way to think about it, but it's it's not calling people who are civil rights activists or activists of any kind risk in their lives uh, protesting government tyranny uh, against their their very you know civil rights. Um, it's not it's not discounting their bravery or anything or the the risk that was taken, but simply put, the state was not defeated. The state just changed tactic. They were like, oh, well, this one doesn't work anymore. So, to, to think that this trial is gonna really, I mean, God, they, they could outright prove that both Donald Trump, or, or sorry, President Trump 
and President Clinton both fucked kids. They could prove both of them fucked kids with Epstein. They flew on private jets, and they went off to secret clubs on islands and elsewhere, and they fucked children. That could come out, and it could be syndicated far and wide. You know, the left is all like, look at look at Trump, he's a pedo, and the right is like, look at Clinton, he's a pedo. And no one would fucking care. In terms of, uh, it would not rock the powers that be. Now, it might change public perception a little bit. It'll make people more skeptical of the presidency, which will be in our favor. But I don't think this trial itself is going to tear apart the federal government. I think, uh... I think it's going to take a lot more than that. And honestly, they're, they're doing it to themselves more efficiently than this trial ever could. <laughs> someone someone just put China, question mark. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess that's kind of a, a free ticket to a China run. Uh, Nathan from Art and War, Seaburn, would be overjoyed. Um, yeah, China's fucking evil, dude. They're, they're just another authoritarian government. They're, so, my view of this, and I think a lot of so-called right-wing anarchists or, you know, recovering libertarian to anarchist types, they still want to cling to that, you know, well, America's bad, but China's way more evil. And even though I don't like the government, I think I would support my own government over the Chinese. Eh... I think they're both fucking, like, <laughs> without redemption evil. They're, they're both such fucking awful destructive forces. There's no good guy when it comes to China and the US. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cheapen the question by, like, ragging on the US, because I rag on them plenty, and we all know how evil I think they are. China's really fucking evil, too. I mean, Jesus Christ. I I don't think they're gonna be... I don't think they're gonna try and be, like, a world-dominating force, because that's not how their empire's been for the longest time. They've always been very internally focused. But they'll probably... They'll for sure take Taiwan, probably expand their reach in their immediate region, but I can't see them, you know, trying to invade the US or... Or anything like that. I think they, they're they just going to be a fucking bully in their part of the world. Just like the US is. Everywhere. Oh, no. I made a, I made a comparison. They're just another evil superpower, dude. They're, uh... The, the, the easiest way to think about the world is... Every government is a different crime family. And... If that sounds unreasonable to you... Consider this. Every single one uses violence to accomplish their means. And there's no real law between any of these nations. If if India or if India wants to lob a rocket into China or China wants to lob a rocket into India or send some either wants to send troops across to the other's land, uh guess what? They're gonna do that in spite of any, you know, so called honor codes, or whatever the fuck, if it's good for business, or good for power, they'll fucking do it, and so, uh, you know, people, 
people think the UN is some kind of, like, global government, they don't fucking control shit. <laughs> These are all just potential... You know, they're, they're, all, they're all criminals sitting at the table playing nice until one of them wants something the other has. That's all China is, that's all the US is, that's all Russia is, that's all any of these fuckers are. It just depends on how big of a crime family they are, you know, you got like, you got the Italians, and you got like, uh, Yakuza, or like, um, some Armenian crime family or some shit, I don't know. That That's all these entities are to me, and so I don't see good governments and bad governments, I just see varying degrees of how much harm they're capable of putting out into the world. Um, bah, 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 bah. Someone asks, thoughts on Macnovia, which is, uh, for those of you who don't know, that was the, I, I guess, township settlement? It was an anarchist set settlement in Ukraine during the uh, Russian Revolution kind of period. God, what was the guy's name? What was the main guy's name? Nest Nestor Makhno? Um, so th this was a a group of Ukrainian anarchists who were trying to split away from kind of the authoritarian streak that Europe was under at that moment. This whole weird transition from kings to, you know, governments, but who really knew what was going on? The Russian Revolution had just started, the Tsar had been killed, um, so really wild time, and, you know, n no one really knew what was gonna, what was gonna come of all of this. And so, some Ukrainians took up arms and founded their own settlement, uh, Makhnovia, and it, it had a bit of a turbulent history because, uh, the... Red Army at the time were fighting the White Army, and so that was kind of the, well, the Communists trying to um, defeat the remainder of the Loyalists, and a whole bunch of other complicated political shit was happening in Europe at the time. Anyway, my thoughts on Akhtanovia itself and kind of what happened, uh, the anarchists, for one, didn't really have uh, principles of non-violence, which I feel is uh, essential to being a good, consistent anarchist, and to, to get good, I think it's, I think consistency is key to getting good results, you can't have ideals and then live a different way, so if you think, you know, violence and coercion is evil, as I think any anarchist should, as a fundamental part of their belief system, I think you're gonna, you're fucked from the start, you know, and so I believe there was something like they would, they would hang people for anti-Semitic remarks or something like that, which at, at the time, Maknovia's population was very diverse, and uh, their enemies would, you know, use anti-Semitic attacks, and so it was kind of seen as, I guess, a trait of the enemies of the, this free people to do that, but... I don't know. They were um they were a little bit militant in uh in violent ways in their own right. You know, like I I think I think they were probably a little bit hopped up and kind of the the times were very violent, so solutions were very violent, but I think they could have they could have uh benefited from some some clearer principles and 
This also came back to bite them in the ass, this lack of clear, consistent principles. When they allied with the Red Army, they thought, you know, while they might be more authoritarian, you know, they're, they're kind of similar to us, because Machnovia were, uh, I guess, ENCOMs? They were, like, very early Russian Revolution-era communists who were also anarchists, an anarcho-communists. And so, um, the authoritarian Reds were like, hey, you know, we're all the same guy. And so they temporarily temporarily had an alliance, uh, which I, I, I don't know if it was after they'd successfully, you know, defeated the local whites or whatever, or during that time when they turned on the anarchists. They, they trusted authoritarians, which you see all the time with lefty anarchists. You know, I, I hate the fucking left-right anarchist thing, but um, traditionally what is considered left anarchists uh, are much more likely to side with, you know, authoritarian communists over a so-called right uh, anarchist, or libertarian anarchist, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, and that's fucking troubling, because guess what? They, once the revolution comes about, all those guys get fucking wiped. They got a, they got a clean slate, and they don't want any undesirables. I, I think they kind of tried to, tried to put a band-aid on this whole anarchist betrayal, because um, Kropotkin had a station named after him in Moscow, which was quite the honor. And I believe he was the only anarchist to have anything in the USSR named after him. I might be way off there, but I, that sounds right. Because, you know, they don't, they don't want to set an example of, oh, anarchists are uh, allies, but just just the one hero, Kropotkin, it was kind of a way to, I guess, try and bring that crowd back in after uh, some pretty rough history. So, no, very interesting piece of history. And, you know, a lot of people, oh, well, anarchy's never worked before, and they point to <laughs> anarchists working with authoritarians and getting stomped out. It's like, yeah, that's why I say don't fucking vote. That's why I say don't think, you know, any, any kind of authoritarian element can be your friend because it's antithetical to what you're, you should be about if you want to live consistently and live freely, you know, like truly freely. Um, you cannot use authoritarianism as part of your solution. It doesn't fucking work out. You'd think that would be kind of obvious, but hey-ho. Uh, someone asks, thoughts on mutualism? That is something I need to read up more on. Um, I know a few mutualists, but there's like only six of them, so I need to gather like a couple of them. <laughs> six total mutualists ever. Uh, I need to gather enough of them in a room to help explain to me what the fuck it is. I, I kid kinda, you know, I, I just need a, I feel like I need a, a good 101 on it, and really I just haven't taken the time yet, it's not like the resources don't exist, uh, but, yeah, in time. <sighs> I'd love to, uh, to bring some mutualists on this show and kind of maybe break it down for me or something, I and mean, I can just ask questions like a dummy. <laughs> Good body armor recommendations, no AR-500 bullshit, please. Good man. Um, yeah, don't get, uh, don't get steel plates. Please, don't get fucking steel plates. I, I do not care what your fucking argument is. I don't care what kind of truck bed liner spray they've put on it. Get yourself some, at the very least, get yourself some ceramic 
HESCO, H-E-S-C-O-L-2-10 plates. So HESCO L210 special threat plates, um, they will, they're very lightweight, they take care of a whole ton of shit, all the stuff that is necessary um, in today's world for our purposes. Uh, HESCO is a pretty sure bet, you know, for the, the other levels of body armor they have too. Um, yeah, apart from that, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of other great options out there, but currently HESCO is kind of the one, the, uh, the, the name to go by. You know, they, they have a certain reputation, uh, pretty, pretty affordable. I think T-Rex Arms sells them, whole, whole ton of people sell them, so, uh, that's my answer on that. Favorite thing about Murica? <laughs> Um, hmm, I, I think I've definitely answered this question before, but we're just rattling through them. Two things. It's the culture, the culture that is rebellious and questioning and desires freedom in some form. Like, every interesting part of this culture, whether it's the, the music or, you know, civil rights movements or liberty movements, whatever the fuck it might be, there's been so many people in this country who recognize what liberty is and have pursued it in their own way. And not just from any particular part of the spectrum. There's all sorts of people all over the place who are like, I want human liberty. And whether they know it's kind of of this wider struggle or not, it's really cool that that's part of the culture, because you don't see it many other places. It's, it's an uncommon mindset, and usually America leads the way on that kind of thing. Uh, culturally. Um, the other thing is the nature. This is such a diverse and beautiful country. You touching the same, you know, same landmass, you can be in rainforest and swamps and deserts and snow-capped mountains and, like, desert plateaus. It's, you know, great lakes and rivers and canyons it is a gorgeous fucking country and uh and i love the outdoors i'm literally having the time of my life exploring this country and i've i've been exploring it for years now but living here and being able to just you know drive a few hours and see something that's breathtaking no matter what state you're in there's always gonna be something to go out and see so um i I fucking love those things about America. It's uh, it's why I moved here, and um, yeah, I mean, both of those things mean a lot to me. <laughs> How's your current aura doing? Staying positive as best as you can, always, man. I uh, honestly, even when I'm fucking exhausted and being, you know, recreationally bitching, whatever it might be, I still am being positive, and it's it's like what I talked about at the start. I, I always have goals, I always have objectives to get to, and, uh, you know, I acknowledge when things are tough. I acknowledge when there's barriers that potentially might be out of my control, no matter what the fuck I do. And, you know, I will I'll move heaven and hell as much as I can, but at some point you do have to accept <laughs> that there's certain things you can't fix immediately, and... I think too many of us get caught up in that instant gratification mindset. It's good to doggedly pursue things that you want, you know, especially if they're for 
your your betterment in some way. But we also have to be able to step back and be like, am I killing myself right now? Am I making smart moves? Am I being obsessive? And to kind of, you know, just check yourself. Make sure you're not going to burn yourself out, destroy yourself. So, um, yeah, that's that's how I've been staying positive. And uh, my aura, I don't know what my fucking aura looks like. It's probably like glowing red. <laughs> I don't know. I, um, I dated a chick who had, what the fuck is that? Uh, there's some synthesizer. I think it might be something like that, where you can see colors, and apparently I was purple, which is strange, because I don't own a single purple thing, and I don't know, it's a, it was an odd color to associate with, with me, which is, I don't know, I think she was just a cracked out lunatic, but she wasn't cracked, she was just a fucking regular lunatic, uh, so, so maybe it's purple, I don't know, I don't think so, I think she was fucked up. Um, it probably doesn't look great, dude, but we're hanging in there, and, uh, yeah, having those goals is keeping me, you know, on target. (laughs) Uh, Australian quarantine camps and why a disarmed population is a slave population. Well, you know, it's like we always say on this show, if you're peaceful, not harmless, you have to be capable of some form of harm, which I think every sensible human being should be. Like I always say, I fucking detest violence. I want no part part in it. If I go my entire life without pulling a gun on, it, gun on anyone, I will be a happy, happy man. But people in Australia, they're not deciding between being peaceful, getting rowdy, and fighting back, and, and resisting in any true sense, because they're not equal to their government. They are subjects, not citizens. And, you know, it's not great to be a citizen, because a federal government is a federal government. But it's much better to be, you know, an actual fucking capable person, rather than just just a body, you know? Like, you see videos coming out of Australia of people being strangled by cops. You know, there's that one video, his face is going blue, and the guy just keeps on choking the motherfucker out. He just keeps on... And and the guy passes out, and they're just, that's just, modem operandi, that's how they work. Yeah, Australia's fucked, it's, uh, Australia's like the test bed for how to run a fascist, fucked up, weird, like, what would you even call it, neoliberal fascist state, I don't know, what the fuck, technocracy, I guess, is it's it, more than anything, they're, they're all technocracies these days, oh, the experts said, okay, well, it doesn't matter who's in charge. Um, we have to do these things this way because it's, we just live in an emergency forever now. So, I think, uh, well, can you imagine, you imagine the US if they put those restrictions in place? There would be people in the streets with guns right now, and I'm not talking about the cops. (laughs) Yeah, I would fucking love to see them try that here. It would accelerate things, and... I don't think that's a good thing. I don't think that would be desirable because things are already pretty fucking unstable as is. But they would get their answer on, hmm, is this going to work out or not? Pretty fucking quick, I can assure you of that. But they can they can make the... I call it pre-coming here, the way the government is, but it would be nothing like them trying that shit 
in the US at this stage. People are not demoralized enough yet for that kind of thing to go down. We're close, I think. I think we're only six months behind Australia at this point. I used to say ten years. I'm, I'm not sure it's that far anymore. Um, Alright. I think we will wrap up with this one. Uh, explain your personal views on where atheism and Christianity fall in agorism slash anarchism can expand. Um, Alright, so... I am an atheist. I, you know, not like excitedly. I, I used to be, you know, little edge lord, but then I just stopped giving, I don't, I don't give a fuck. Because religion, I think the reason I was an edge lord was because of the education I had, the Church of England schooling. I was taught religion by atheists, you know, like they just taught prayers and hymns and shit, and we had to sing them, and I'm pretty sure that's how most normal public schools in England get a little bit of extra funding, they get tapped into their tax-free revenue somehow, and so, uh, you know, the school's part of the deal is that, is that there's hymns and shit uh, during assemblies, it's not ultra-godly beyond that, there's no, like, you know, nuns or shit hanging around, and, and then Christmas, uh, my particular school, we would, uh, we'd all walk, walk down to the church and, uh, have, like, a Christmas kind of deal, and all of that, I just wasn't interested, like, the adults made it boring, and I'd rather be doing other stuff, and, and they seemed bored talking about it, so I was just disengaged, and, you know, it is what it is, I, I've lived a perfectly happy, and these days even, slightly spiritual, not, not like a, you know, any weird, I'm putting crystals to my fucking forehead kind of shit, but I just, I appreciate life, and I'm very in tune with, uh, I don't know, all my, my friends, family, and what's good in life, I don't feel like I need a, a god to help me with that, or to help me on my journey, I'm very, I don't know, self-aware to a degree, and that'll piss off some Christians, but I don't give a fuck, I don't need a god, simple ass. Um, so where, where does Christianity and atheism fall in agorism and anarchism? Um, I mean, they're separate elements, you know? Uh, you can absolutely be a Christian and be an agorist or an anarchist. And you can absolutely be an atheist and be an agorist or an anarchist. It's, you know, how you, how you think of, uh, the morals of all of that that's down to you, um, how, what, however you need to approach this and figure out if it's consistent with your beliefs, uh, that's down to you, I mean, there's so many different denominations of Christian and, you know, various other religions, um, I don't think, you know, I don't think your religious outlook is important when it comes to anarchism, because anarchism is all about individuality, so, you can come to it from so many different places, and it can make sense for you, because it, it's consistent, you know? It's not like uh, certain viewpoints are... Like, like in, a, in the various state religions of the world, um, there might be moral laws that come down from 
you know, whatever the dominant religion of the area is. And someone from a different religion coming into that society might be like, well, this doesn't really click with me, you know? It doesn't, it doesn't really um, make sense with my beliefs. And anarchism doesn't have such restrictions. You bring only yourself and a, uh, a well, the refusal to participate or, or put up with um, coercive relationships, you know, be it with others or the state. So, you know, I, I don't think it's... I, th- I think a lot of people... They think of anarchism like it's Satanism or something. Like you have to be a a crazy Molotov throwing villain if you're an anarchist, and it's quite the opposite. That's such a public education framing of of what anarchism is. And honestly, I think the most consistent Christians. No, I know the most consistent Christians I know are anarchists. The ones I speak to, who would not outsource violence against others through something as cowardly as a vote, you know, that's, anyone who does that shit is a pussy, especially people who preach non-violence and godliness, and then they, they outsource their anger and their ill will into other people's hands to do the violence for them, and you see this with, uh, conservative Christians who are big, thin, blue line people, they'll, they'll always make an excuse for police brutality, and then they'll, they'll go to church and feel like they're the best people on earth. So, um, yeah, my, my favorite, my favorite Christians are all anarchists. They're interesting people to talk to. I personally have no use for religion. I don't think it would enhance my life, truly. I'm a very content, happy person, uh, with my own, (laughs) my own way of finding spirituality, which is a lot of, uh, a lot of intense time with myself and questioning my beliefs and the occasional trip, occasional psychedelic experience, which a lot of, a lot of ancient cultures used to do as part of their religious experiences, so, one thing that annoys me when people say, like, oh, people, uh, people rejected religion, and now their religion is, is the state, because people need a religion, I don't believe that shit, I think that's a fucking stupid statement, yeah, that's true for some people, sure, but I don't think that's true of humanity, I've really not had much experience with religion throughout my life, and neither have most of my mates. That's something that a lot of Americans can't understand. England, in particular, I'm I'm sure a lot of Europe too, is not very godly. Americans are pretty pretty surprised with how atheist Europe is. America's pretty old school in that respect. It's not the worst thing. <laughs> I don't know. I'm probably not the best person to ask about this. I think you can be, you can bring damn near any individual on this earth with any collection of spirituality and politics, and you bring them over to anarchism, and what remains of their personality, and their, you know, where they come from, what formed them as an individual, they can absolutely bring that to a stateless society, and, you know, religion, I think, is an important part of that. I think it's it's interesting to discuss with various different people what their, their beliefs are in that respect. It's, it's deep stuff, and I think you can tell a lot about a person's personality from, from all that stuff. So, but I don't think uh, it's important one way or the other to, to be a good or a, a great anarchist, you know? So I hope that answers that question. Um, I think I'm going to end it there, guys. But 
I appreciate your questions very much. I love doing uh, I love doing the Q and A part of this show, and I love doing more uh, more heavy Q and A episodes. But let me know if you guys love them or hate them. Um, that'll help me kind of adjust what I do. Uh, but anyway, thanks for listening, guys, and we will see you next week.